0: What's up, everybody? Paul Hickey here with NoOffSeason.com, and welcome to the Sports Card Strategy Show. We are back, and we've got a power-packed episode with an amazing interview with Kendall McKee of JustBaseball.com and Wild Cards Box Breaks. Kendall is kind of my co-host in today's show as we get into the MLB lockout and what it means for baseball cards, how you need to navigate the baseball card landscape based on the MLB ever-changing landscape this year. And we also have our Star Stock Buy of the Week and our audience Q&A segments taking your questions from the Facebook group and the YouTube channel. And as always, we are... Brought to you by Marketmoversapp.com by SportsCard Investor. We really, really want you to go to Marketmoversapp.com, use the promo code NOOFFSEASON, all lowercase, and save 20% on the best place. Yep. Better than those other places talked about by those other shows about sports cards. The best place to track the data of your entire collection, learn who to buy low and when to sell them high. And of course, we really want you to check out our new brand spankin' shiny new sports card investment report by going to knowoffseason.com invest. You can check out our write-ups on the top 50 best sports card investments. Get all the context around the data. So you get the context and the predictions from us at nooffseasoncom invest. Then you marry that together with the data at Market Movers app using the promo code NOOFFSEASON, all lowercase, and you've got yourself the best combination to become a sports card investor, a successful, money-making sports card investor. <coughs> all right, let's jump into the show today. And the first thing I want to do is a little bit of a rant. And as much as I love StarStock, we have our StarStock Buy of the Week every week. Um, I've got a, I got a beef I got a rant about about Starstock in general and so I kind of want to call out the Starstock brass, the Starstock product team, whoever needs to be called out here, because because I, I just want to take a look like pick a random card right and this is this is what you see with most cards on Starstock, and you're gonna see an asking price from a seller, and then you're gonna see an offer. And you know, let, let's just look at this first page, right? Okay, perfect example. Devin Booker, 2015-2016 uh, Panini Prism basketball, no issues. Uh, PSA 10. Um, the for the PSA 10, the seller wants 450. The latest sales 400, and he has an offer from 400. So that's great. There's no issues with that. But when you go to the Star Stock A, you've got one for sale from 425, which is ludicrous because the PSA 10, you have one for sale at 450. So why wouldn't you pay $25 more to get the, the PSA 10? But my issue my my re- issue really isn't with that. I mean, the person can ask whatever they want for it, but my issue is with the offer. So how, how does the platform allow somebody to put an offer in for a $20 card when the latest sale was 265? So a couple of different things that I think needs to to happen here. First of all, StarStock needs to implement a feature that allows you to only make an offer that is within a certain percentage range of what the asking price is. And I think they need to monitor the asking price. I think the asking price needs to be somewhat based on what the latest sale is, either on Starstock or just in general off of Starstock, so taking into account sales on other platforms, um, I'm not as much of a stickler on on the limiting what the seller can ask for because that you know the seller should be able to ask whatever they want for the card. But I think that the offer should sh- needs to be within a range of the latest sale and. Um, And the asking price, because otherwise, you know, when you're the stock market for cards as Starstock bills themselves, the stock market, the stock market for sports cards, what you're inherently doing is is lowering the value of almost every single card on your platform by allowing people to make offers for cards that are so much egregiously less than the actual uh, most recent sale of the card and the asking price of the card. Um, you know we can look at examples of this all day, but you know if you've ever been to Starstock, you know what I'm talking about. Like right here is a Kevin Durant, 2007 Topps Chrome PSA 10 rookie. Latest sale eleven thousand dollars. One for sale from 9,500 that's a good deal based on the latest sale being $1,100, but two offers from $325, like wh- what's happening here? I mean, does, does the person making the offer think that someone's going to accidentally click accept like three times and, and then lose that card? I mean, star stock would, you know, should be ashamed of themselves. Even if that happened, that would be, that would be horrible if that happened for many reasons. Um, you know, not the least of which being the fact that you've just now lowered the value of that card. So, um, and, and it's not a three hundred and twenty-five dollar card. In fact, it's it's a you know, it's it's borderline a five-figure card, right? I mean, the latest one, latest one sold for for five figures. So now you've got um, the high four figures as the asking price, ninety-five hundred, and 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 then. You know, it's just it's just stupid that they would even allow an offer that low. And and I'm telling you, like this is the case, like um, for lower end stuff, right? Like just look at my collection. Uh, My collection is um, it had an estimated portfolio value of three hundred and fifty dollars a couple days ago, and now it's down to two eighty, and not because the value of these cards have gone down, but because when what happens is when you have an offer. Um, I'm going to use my DAC Prescott uh, 2016 Don Russ optic Starstock A as an example. The latest sale is $40, um, but there was recently offers of $50, $55 up here. What happens was is it, when a seller accepts an offer, and that if the next lowest off, it just goes, these offers go to the next lowest offer. So if the next lowest offer is $7 and a penny, then that's what uh, shows as the latest offer. And then it um, downgrades the value. It, It decreases the actual value of your portfolio. So while it's cool to look at this and everything, it's, it's seriously flawed by the offer functionality. Um, In Starstock, there has to be an offer. Don't get me wrong, but um, it just when when a card sold for forty dollars, you can't have the next offer show as seven dollars. You you got to make somebody who wants to make an offer. You either have to let the buyer set the minimum offer that they would want to show on the card, which is what happens on other platforms that don't function like Starstock. But in Starstock's case, you at least you can't let an offer be that much drastically lower uh, than the for sale price, quite frankly, let alone the latest sale. I mean, that's just, that's just outrageous. All right, on a more positive note, if you're looking for a great Christmas gift or holiday gift for the card collector and investor in your family, you'll want to check out my book, What to Do After You Find Your Old Sports Card Collection, The Middle-Aged Dude's Guide to Selling Old Sports Cards. I want to give a shout out to sportscardinvestor.com, specifically DeMarco Williams, who put together a great holiday gift guide, the nine great ideas for card collectors for the holidays. He's got some fantastic stuff in his article, and he mentioned my book, What to do after you find your old sports card collection by yours truly, Paul Hickey. And I just want to read what DeMarco had to say. Maybe you know someone who's rekindled his love for card collecting during the pandemic. You might be wondering what to do with the shoeboxes of cards you have stashed at your parents' house. Either way, Paul Hickey's What to Do After You Find Your Old Sports Card Collection, The Middle-Aged Dude's Guide to Selling Old Sports Card, and Khalil Randall's Million Dollar Sports Cards, A Golden Guide to Sports Card Collecting and Investing, are two easy to follow reads for newbies to the hobby. Neither makes folks feel bad for not being an industry expert. Instead, they center their pages around card sorting, grading, and investing basics. And that's exactly what my book is meant to do. You can order it now and get it by Christmas or New Year's or whenever. Thanks so much for considering this. And thanks to DeMarco Williams of Sports Card Investor for uh, hyping up the book a little bit in in the article. Really appreciate that. All right. Now let's go to the Facebook group for some Q and a from my guy, Sam Cox, Sam. Thanks for hanging in there in this question. I know, um, you, you were going to a card show a couple weeks ago, and I'm just now getting to your question. Um, looking for inventory for a show that you're setting up for in February, any thoughts on anything specific you think I should be looking for baseball, football, and basketball seventies to current is what you're into. Um, Yeah, I think that, you know, I'll give a couple different answers. Uh, First of all, I think in general, you should be looking for some soccer cards. And if you can find value boxes with soccer cards in them, or if you can find already slabbed soccer cards, I'm going to take you to my sports card investment report. And there's a few guys, Vinicius Jr., Vini Jr. is tied for number three on our sports card investment report. He has some rated rookies from 2018. And if you can get his slabs for under $75, I think that's a great deal. He is going to be a star uh, in the next several years of either La Liga or, um, you know, he plays for Real Madrid right now. And so he's, he's, likely going to be in La Liga, but if he's not in La Liga, he's probably going to be in the Premier League for the rest of his career and is a candidate for the Ballon d'Or, which is the uh, award for the best player in in the world in soccer. Um, so I really like Vinicius Jr. Another guy, Yunus Musa. he's on the U.S. men's national team. He's number 11 on our sports card investment report. So from a soccer standpoint, I'd look for some Eunice Musa cards. There's really not a whole lot of hype around those two guys right now. And then another guy, Pedri. Um, Pedri just won an award called um, the Golden Boy. It's an Italian award, but he plays on the Spanish national team. And... Um, He's going to be hopefully a star for the Spanish World Cup team coming up next year. And he also plays midfield for FC Barcelona. So um, those three guys, specifically on the soccer front, I would be looking to buy uh, their cards, um, hopefully low right now at a show. So if I were going to a show, I'd be looking for those three guys. Another thing about Vinicius Jr., Sam, is that he... Um, is on the Brazilian national team, and they are actually favored to win the 2022 World Cup. Um, A couple other guys on the sports card investment report, uh, basketball-wise. I think if you're looking to buy now and potentially sell at a show in February, I'd be looking to get Darius Garland PSA 10 rookies. Um, I love Darius Garland. I've already been right about him. I've already bought a few of his cards uh, last month, and they've already risen in value due to his good play. Um, And then another guy, Gary Trent Jr., his slabs are super cheap right now. I'd be looking at his PSA 10 rookie cards. RPAs. I really like RPAs. And so if you can find um, RPAs or rookie cards in the value boxes, um, I I like guys like Jamal Murray. He's actually going to be coming back potentially in February. I like guys like um, Ronald Acuna Jr. There's actually not a lot of his autographs. Kyle Trask is a guy uh, that's interesting to me. Kyle Trask RPAs would be interesting if you can get them for, say, under $50. Bucks. Um, even even upwards of 75 80 bucks. I think they're good deals. Um, all the guys in the sports card investment report I would be looking to buy right now. But um, you know Donovan Mitchell Slabs... Now would be a great time to buy some Donovan Mitchell slabs. I think they could they could definitely rise in February as the NBA season heats up after the, the Super Bowl. Trey Young slabs are super cheap right now. John Morant slabs are super cheap. When I say slabs, I mean PSA 10s specifically. Um, those, you know... Based on your timing, I think those are some guys. Actually, I think Kawhi Leonard at a show. There's not a, I haven't seen a whole lot of, of, of his stuff on sale on eBay. Um, that really makes me want to buy it. But I think if I could get a, de- a deal on maybe a Kawhi Leonard auto at a show, that would be interesting. Um, I really like Kenyon Martin Jr. Um, I may be super wrong on him, but, but he's a guy that I really, really like. And so if I were going to a show, I'd be looking for maybe some Kenyon Martin, some cheap Kenyon Martin Jr. autos, like super, super cheap, like, you know, less than 10 bucks uh, for some Kenyon Martin Jr. autos. I would, I would go after them. And then um, it'd be interesting to see what happens with Ben Roethlisberger after the season. Mason Rudolph is a guy that I think could generate some hype. And in a in a position battle for quarterback in Pittsburgh, that would be a huge opportunity. And if he can generate some hype, I think um, that could play out to where if you can buy some Mason Rudolph cards where there's zero hype around him, maybe there's some Mason Rudolph RPAs at the show, different things like that. So these are some obscure guys mixed in with some more well-known guys. Um, everyone at nooffseason.com slash invest I really like um, but but some of the guys I've called out in this in this answer I would go after at the show I mean Vlad jr would be a guy I'd be looking for some some of his rookie autos at a show just to see can I get a deal on some of the top baseball guys Bowman chrome autos can I get a deal on them at a show? And then obviously some of the sleepers I've thrown out there. So um, looks like Merle uh, agrees with hammering the value boxes. I say go value boxes, but don't spend too much time in them. Look for some PSA tens of guys like Gary Trent Jr., Darius Garland, and uh, and and you know make some deals. Donovan Mitchell make some things happen because if you're going to show in February, I think the NBA it's going to be a great time to sell. NBA cards will be this upcoming February. I hope I'm right. Sam, thanks for the question. Let's keep it rolling. All right. Next up is my guy, Fred Jensen. Fred actually read the book. He ordered it on Amazon, What to Do When You Find Your Old Sports Card Collection, and I appreciate him doing that. If you want to order the book, Go to com slash book, and it'll take you right to the Amazon link. But anyway, um, Fred, thanks for the question. He says, does anyone have any thoughts on selling at the big auctions rather than on eBay or the like? The item is an autographed baseball, but I have cards too. Now, Fred shared a little bit more in- info with me on the actual baseball. I won't disclose that on the show because he didn't ask it publicly in the Facebook group. Um, but I will say that um, I have not uh dealt with selling my memorabilia I have some memorabilia but it was just stuff that I had signed when I was a kid and um it's not really like collector ready so much as it is just kind of pc stuff so um I did a little bit of research and it, basically here's it, based on what I did with my cards over the last you know 12 months essentially I would take the same approach with memorabilia and the approach that i would take would be to basically submit for a free appraisal at all of the large auction houses just because i like to learn how, the process of all of that so for example like with cards i went through how to sell on ebay how to sell on facebook marketplace how to sell on pwcc how to do star stock like and i'm continuing to learn like uh, my slabs right so all these i'm i'm learning what it's like and what the roi could be to sell on all these different marketplaces. And I would do the same thing, Fred, if I were you on, um, with, with your autograph baseball with memorabilia. So, um, one is heritage. I am familiar. I've been familiar with heritage auctions. They seem, you know, very reputable, very legit, no issues with them. Free appraisals, okay? So I would get a free appraisal from Heritage and I would go heritage heritageauctions.com and just learn more about what that process looks like. Golden Auctions, I would do the same thing. They do free appraisals. Um, I will say I don't think that your item is, is a, a high enough caliber necessarily to get more money at Heritage or Golden than it would on eBay. And I don't know what the fees, I think the fees are actually higher um, at Golden than they are on eBay. Um, There's one called Gray Flannel, they do uh, free appraisals. There's one called Leland's, they do free appraisals. And there's one called uh, Mile High. This is um, really more on sports cards, but they also do high grade sports rarities. And then there's one called SCP Auctions. Uh, for memorabilia and cards then of course there's Sotheby's which is like really high-end stuff Um, I would actually just they all do free appraisals so I would go to all of their websites and I would submit I'd go through the process I think it's a good learning experience because it sounds like you and your son or you and your family members um, might be wanting to do this more often it's a fun hobby and you can make some money off of it obviously on the memorabilia side I know you say you have cards as well, so we'd like we'd all like to know more about your cards, so we can help you with that. But on the base, the memorabilia baseball side of things, um, I would also plan on probably having eBay be the place where you end up selling it and probably making the most money, just because the fees, my guess, are going to be lower on eBay than they are at all of these auction houses. Um, you may get more. Um, Gross revenue at the auction houses, but have to pay a higher fee. I think you'd get, um, I think you'd probably end up making more profit on eBay. But I will say this I think you have to, if you really want to sell this ball and you don't want to keep it, I think you're going to have to actually um, go on Twitter and go on Instagram and not only post pictures of the ball, that's going to be the easy part, but I think you're going to want to search for keywords on Twitter and on Instagram and um follow and dm other uh specifically baseball memorabilia collectors and specifically people uh that are I know you said St. Louis Cardinals I will d- disclose that on the show so St. Louis Cardinals fans right um of a certain age range perhaps based on the date of this ball um find and connect with them because the one the one thing that really got me into the sports card business is on the social media aspect of things. Everyone will tell you who they're a fan of and who they collect. And so you can use social media to your advantage, Twitter and Instagram specifically to just connect peer to peer and um ask if there's interest in the ball that obviously takes more time, but I think you could actually make more money that way. And then another thing I think I emailed you about is, um, Facebook groups. So I would, I would, um, obviously stay in our Facebook group, stay active in ours, of course, but, um, join other sports memorabilia, Facebook groups, post pictures of the ball, Um, and try to gauge interest in the ball, that kind of thing. Um, Luke Johnson did reply to your question saying pristine auctions. So thanks for your involvement there, Luke. Um, Luke may reply as to why he thinks um, pristine auctions. It sounds like Luke actually has more experience than I do with any kind of memorabilia, auctioning off any kind of memorabilia. So thanks to uh, Fred for the question, and thanks to Luke Johnson for that answer. All right, now let's go over to YouTube, getting some solid questions from you guys on the YouTube channel. Really appreciate that. YouTube.com slash Paul Hickey. You can see all the videos and submit any question on any of the videos, and I'll get to it not only right away on the YouTube channel, but also on the show, on the Sports Card Strategy Show. So kkim1177 asked on our Sports Card Strategy video, our unlicensed Leaf Auto is a good investment. They asked the question, are Leaf Hype cards legit? And so I am going to post the answer on the YouTube channel, but I'm going to tell you right now, KKKim117 and the audience, are Leaf Hype cards legit? So first of all, what are Leaf Hype cards? Leaf Hype cards are um, direct to consumer online cards that you can buy from leaftradingcards.com. And they essentially are unlicensed pre-rookie cards. So they're like XRC cards. And they're most of the time in college uniforms, but not only are they in college uniforms, but Leaf can't even show the logo of the college team on Leaf Hype cards. And so um, sometimes it's a pro uniform, but Leaf cannot show the pro team logo or, or any kind of branding of the pro team. So if you're watching, as you can see here, I'm scrolling through Daniel Jones, Baker Mayfield, Jalen Hurts, Justin Herbert. Um, there's Giannis cards, Jason Dominguez. Um, they just look weird. Honestly, they're not autographed and in many cases but not all cases they are serial numbered and they're serial numbered like low numbers like out of 10 out of 25 for some reason this pgi grading card company which uh is not really legit in my opinion has graded a lot of these leaf hype cards i don't know if it's a partnership with leaf or if someone out there at pgi buys a bunch of these and then grades them or if there's just like a handful of of people out there that are trying to up the value of these leaf hype cards in a cheap way by having them slabbed by PGI. But like basically every single card graded by PGI is a 10. So I don't really think there's much uh, behind that. Um, like for example, there's a Bobby Witt jr. One of one different things like that. Um, there's this website, RookieCards.com. These, these things are like way too expensively listed. On rookiecards.com, I'm not sure who owns rookiecards.com. I might need to, um, might need to do some more research into that. But if you just look on eBay for the sold listings of these cards, they're nowhere near what this rookiecards.com person is asking for them. Um, now, granted, there are some one-of-ones and things like that, but for the most part, like you've got um, sales of less than ten dollars for any leaf hype card. Um, it's fair to say that leaf hype is all hype. Um, I know that's super cheesy of me, but it, it it's, there's nothing at all behind these leaf hype cards. Like for example, here's this Justin Herbert numbered to 5,000, uh, a PGI 10 sold for $22. And this guy wants $500 for the one of one, the shimmer one of one. Um, I mean, personally, I just don't see it. I think this is. I don't want to say it's a scam. It's not a scam, but I just think it's it's misleading to um, to think that these cards would actually hold value long term. Like you know, Lionel Messi for thirty bucks, like those types of things for like a PC um, or or a, a gift for a collector. Um, fine, totally fine. Nothing wrong with that. But as a long term or even short-term flippable investment opportunity, I say Leaf Hype cards are all hype. Leave them alone. All right. Um, now let's go to Jump23J. Thanks so much, Jump23J, for asking a question on our video Uh, why finding affordable rookie patch autos is better than grading cards. Jump23J is on the same page with us on this one. He has purchased a Scotty Barnes uh, collegiate Nike patch uh, rookie patch auto for $900. I think this is a great purchase. Um, The college uniform doesn't excite me as much as the Nike patch. I think the Nike patch is what really makes this card special. And Scotty Barnes is a legit player. Um, what Jump23J is trying to decide is when to sell this because there's a window here where he might be able to make a little bit of profit. And if he misses that window, then there's a ton of risk as to whether or not there will be another window for him to make profit on this. So let me explain. Basically, what he's trying to decide is if he sells the Scotty Barnes card around February when there's some hype around the all star break and what the league may or may not be doing with the younger players to showcase them around the all star break um should he sell them Should he sell it then? Should he list it for sale then because still there won't be that many releases in pro uniforms, and there really shouldn't be any uh major releases with pro uniforms that would even have RPA's in them so there won't be much competition in pro uniforms for this Scotty Barnes card so there could it could be a great time to try to sell it for maybe somewhere between 1100 and 1500 bucks in in February I think that's the safe play I think the riskier play is do you see if the Raptors make some kind of a a run in the play-in tournament towards the playoffs, can they catch fire and win some games? And or can Scotty Barnes win the Rookie of the Year award? And if either or both of those things happen, he could be looking at a $2,500 RPA. And so I think it's just a matter of, are, are you willing to hold the bag on your $900 investment? Possibly see it possibly sell it for the same amount you paid for it, or maybe see it go down a little bit, worst case scenario, a year from now, versus selling it for a profit in February. Here's what I would do, Jump23J. I would list it for sale uh, for buy it now or best offer for $1,500 starting now. And I would really try to advertise it and hype it up as Scotty Barnes, puts up big performances and, and hopefully gains some momentum post NFL season. Right. And then um, I think there's nothing wrong with that on eBay. Um, I think that if you don't see any traction on that one option could be to submit it for grading to SGC for 30 bucks um, and then just see, do you get a 10, 10 and if you get a 10, 10, I would list it again right away for a buy it now uh, or best offer around 1500 bucks. Okay, and then um, if, if you can't sell it, I don't think you're stuck with a bad card at all. And I think from there, you just got to hope that Scotty Barnes uh, and the Raptors play well and that he has some moments and you can just keep trying to list that and potentially even list it for an auction um, if, if and when the Raptors make a playoff run. So I think you got a great card either way. I mean, the Nike patch really makes that thing solid and desirable. And so I wouldn't worry too much about it, but I do think that you can right now probably sell it for a little bit of a profit. Um, And I think your window to do that is the remainder of this NBA season. I think that if you wait past this NBA season, I think that you could get in trouble with some of the larger pro uniform releases coming out um, with Scotty Barnes rookie patch autos in them, and then you got some competition, and then I think you might be looking at selling it for a loss if you wait, uh, if you wait a year from now. Uh, thanks, Jump Twenty Three J for the question. Let's keep it moving. All right, yo, and our final question in the audience mailbag today is from our guy Chris Olivo, and we've been going back and forth with Chris. Most weeks on his questions, he has great thoughts, great questions, and a great dialogue with us on YouTube. And so Chris asked on uh, as a follow up to the Embiid and Alexander Ovechkin audience mailbag episode. He has a follow up around buying PSA base, PSA ten base tops cards, or PSA nine tops chrome cards of of the same the same equivalent player and season, Um, he gives examples of rookie cards from the 90s and 2000s like Iverson, Kobe, LeBron, etc. The question is, do I buy PSA 10 base tops cards or PSA 9 tops chrome cards of of the equivalent um, for my PC and not something that he would want to resell or or, um, you know, Basically, is, is a PSA 10 of a Hall of Famer more desirable for the for the personal collection, or is a PSA 9 tops chrome more desirable for the personal collection? And I think you know the the dumb answer is because it's your personal collection, you have to go with your personal preference. Um, Chris's point is they're around the same price and sounds like he kind of needs a tiebreaker because he likes both of them, right? My tiebreaker is the Chrome. And the reason why is because um, in most cases, the Topps Chrome is a more desirable card because it's harder to find and it's harder to grade. And so that's not going to be the same for all years and all players and all print runs. You know, they're all different, uh, based on year and based, you know, based on several factors that, that we don't even know about. Right. Cause we're not the card manufacturers. For example, you know, does a guy like, uh, Kobe have more cards than a guy like Iverson, you know, maybe, I don't know. But the point is that, um, if you want to just general answer across all players and all years, typically you have the Chrome version of the card that's a more desirable card. And from a top standpoint can be harder to grade. So I think a nine is almost equivalent to a 10 of the paper base. And if it's around the same price or, or less, uh, I think you go with the, less expensive priced card for a pc and if it happens to be a psa 9 chrome i actually think that that ends up being the more desirable one and even though it may be your pc right now you may want to sell it later and you may want to gift your PC to someone who you might think wants to keep it, but actually wants to sell it. And I think they would be able to get more money for a PSA nine Chrome of a guy like Durant than a PSA 10 base of a guy like Durant, for example, or Iverson or Kobe, uh, or, or even LeBron. And so I think, I don't know that I would drop as far as an eight. I would only drop as far as an eight. If, if, um, if the scenario meant that I would pay significantly less for my PC But as an investment, I would go um, equivalent PSA 9 Tops Chrome to PSA 10 regular. And I would probably give the slight edge to the Tops Chrome PSA 9. Um, Thanks to everybody who asked a question this past week on either the Facebook group or the YouTube channel. You can get me your questions any way that you want. The best ways are to join our Facebook group and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Do that by going to sportscardstrategy.com and click on the link to go to the Facebook group or the YouTube channel. Thanks so much. All right, yo, yo. It's time now for our Star Stock Buy of the Week. And for those of you who aren't familiar with the Star Stock Buy of the Week, it is a segment Inspired by the fact that you can go to StarStock.com, use the promo code NOOFFSEASON, all lowercase, and get a free $10 to buy sports cards right on StarStock.com. And that on StarStock.com, every once in a while, you can find a deal that allows you to buy a card for significantly less than you would pay for it on eBay or elsewhere, and simply having it added to your starstock portfolio. Okay, today's... Okay, this episode's Star Stock Buy of the Week is actually inspired by me looking at our brand shiny new sports card investment report available at nooffseasoncom slash invest. And I saw young Kyle Trask, who doesn't have many cards out, and I thought, hmm, let's take a look at what Kyle Trask's cards are going for on eBay. And according to Market Movers, where you can save 20% by using the promo code NO Kyle Trask's cards are on the rise. They're on the rise big time. Why? I don't know. Maybe just a little hype around the fact that he could be Tom Brady's predecessor in Tampa, even though he's basically having a redshirt year this year. Not sure, but more and more people are buying Kyle Trask's cards. And you can find out why we think you should buy Kyle Trask cards by going to slash invest However, back to the star stock buy of the week. Kyle Trask's Don Russ-rated rookie is going for almost two and a half dollars consistently now. But when you go to Star Stock, you can actually get the you can buy it now for one dollar. And you can make offers for over 70 cents and see if the seller will sell it to you. Now, keep the following in mind before you start, you know, dismissing the fact that we're just talking about a couple dollars here. First of all, one dollar is about 40% of two dollars and 25 cents, and it's about 25 to 30% of two and a half dollars, right? There's my fuzzy math. So basically you're already getting a huge savings. But now keep in mind that these eBay sales listed on market movers do not include shipping, right? So you're probably these people are probably paying at least a dollar, some sometimes upwards of three or four dollars for the shipping. So these Kyle Trask cards that you're buying on eBay, um, or could really be more like 6 to $7 cards. Now, considering when you can go to StarStock.com and just add one of them for a dollar into your portfolio, you can have it shipped to you if you want, but you don't have to. You own it in your StarStock portfolio for a dollar. You can do that, and you can save quite a bit of money on these Kyle Trask cards. Now, go to nooffseasoncom slash invest. Find out why we think you should buy Kyle Trask cards then go to StarStock.com, use the promo code NOOFFSEASON, all lowercase, for free $10. And then go get yourself 10 Kyle Trask Don Russ Rated Rookies. All right, everybody, this has been the StarStock Buy of the Week. All right, so some of you asked for our opinion on the impact that the MLB lockout will have on baseball cards this year, and we went above and beyond and brought Our friend Kendall McKee of JustBaseball.com and Wild Cards Box Breaks back onto the show to discuss the MLB lockout and its impact on baseball cards. And so the next hour or so are Kendall and I basically co-hosting the show, the remaining portion of this week's sports card strategy show, solely focused on baseball cards and the upcoming MLB lockout but don't worry it's not your typical boring lockout talk it's actually very engaging very opportunistic and quite frankly i love it kendall does a great job all right here is my conversation with kendall all right welcoming in now my man kendall mckee from wild cards box breaks on facebook and just baseball.com and he is my go-to baseball expert um Mainly because he's super knowledgeable about it, but also because I just love talking to him. So Kendall, welcome back! Thanks for being on the show, my man.
1: What's up, Paul? I'm glad to be here. I, I really enjoy our last conversation, and I'm ready to uh, to drop some some big heat on you. So.
0: Yeah. Cool. Well. Um, same here. So we last left off talking about a lot of baseball cards, and then we got we've we've had some good responses from the show and a couple of our uh, audience members asked about the MLB lockout, which I think is fair because um, everything has an impact on cards, uh, whether it's on the field or on the court or off, off the field or court these days or rink or whatever playing surface pitch we want to talk about. Um, So, Let's talk about baseball. Are we in a lockout right now? It's the off season, but my understanding is that the lockout, there is no labor agreement. Is that correct?
1: Yeah. So the collective bargaining agreement expired um, a couple of weeks ago and we saw this coming from a pretty, you know, for a couple of years back, we knew that this, this particular CBA agreement was going to be a difficult one. Um, And then with the, with the addition of the 2020 season being delayed and all of the uh, disagreements between the players and the and the owners coming to a head in the COVID season, um, we knew from a good, probably a good distance that this was probably going to happen. But, you know, you never, you always look at it and you're hoping that it doesn't. You know, you're hoping that baseball is able to roll onto the off season, and it's just like we've expected kind of, we've come into this, um, you know, with us growing up in the, in the technology era and stuff like that, we just expect that all these things are always going to roll seamlessly into the next season. And it's just information is always available. You know, we just kind of view it as like the natural thing, but you kind of forget that this really is a business and there are contract negotiations and all that kind of stuff that are all behind the scenes. And, um, so yes, we are in a lockout. Um, and, I don't know if your audience is familiar with that, so I brought a couple of things to the table to kind of explain a little bit of it, and then give some uh, positives and negatives and history of that, uh, depending on what you, you want me to talk about. So
0: yeah, that'd be that'd be great. Let's do that. I think the last, you know, I remember as a kid in nineteen ninety four, the strike. Um, but I also, uh, I think, hitting closer to home. Um, I'm gonna get the year probably wrong but I want to say somewhere around 2010 or 2011 in the NFL um, there almost wasn't a season and so I believe you know they got things done right before the start of that season but I remember I was writing a lot uh, for fantasy football publications and there's all this talk of are we even going to need to do a magazine this year Are we going to need to have a website this year all that stuff so yeah no this this definitely is interesting I think what, what you're about to say here in a second is going to be interesting to people in the business of sports cards especially related to to baseball so yeah why don't you give us the geeky stuff to start and then then we'll get into you know maybe some more of the card the card angle
1: yeah so i'm basically gonna talk about um, kind of what the lockout means and then kind of some history of lockouts and strikes in the past and then and then i'll go into like how it affects cards and stuff so The MLB lockout basically is around the negotiations. Uh, uh, There's a couple of different things, and it's basically around years. uh, It it all kind of boils down to the players believe that they have been um, kind of looked past in a lot of ways with their – Contract and agree, uh, agreements and how their inter- integration with minor leagues and all that kind of stuff, and we've heard rumblings of this kind of thing um, for a while. How the how Major League Baseball doesn't doesn't have a very good system about how handling minor leaguers and then years uh, of of people's rookie deals and things like that, and how there's been playtime manipulation and things, and the players just didn't feel that they are getting represented correctly. So then, but particularly in MLB, the owners have a lot of a lot of say and a lot of sway um and you know these <laughs> these owners particularly if you own a baseball club the average return on investment is like 11 in a year and it's one of the safest investments in the world um so like for for a, an owner's perspective if you have the money to have a team it's all, it's like the return on investment is incredible for the amount of risk that it is on this particular investment, so it's a relatively safe investment, but it's but you're getting the average return of a risky investment. So if you're looking at it like from a um, you know other speculative investments or something, the people that would own a baseball club, they're making a very nice return on a really stable investment. And so the players know that too, and they're basically saying, like you guys are getting the money you need. Why aren't we getting the money that we deserve, you know, and it's kind of weird when you're you're arguing you know millions of dollars because most people look at like, oh well, Mike Trout and all these people are making this money, but a lot of this boils down to those minor leaguers that are making like maybe thirty thousand dollars maybe uh and that's probably a really good minor leaguer, and they're only making that during the season, so in the off season they're just kind of like you know out there you know, washing windows or something, but but basically um, the lockout is a freeze of signings or trades or anything like that. Um, And the players names and likeness cannot be used. So I don't know if you've seen MLB.com, but they basically took all the photos uh, of players off their websites and they're only publishing articles about either retired players or minor leaguers right now because they actually don't own the rights to the actual uh, major leaguers right now, which is kind of funny. If you go look on there, it looks like it's just a bunch of made up players. Cause it's just like shadowy, uh, instead of their actual players. And then, uh, so a little funny thing is all the players went to Twitter and made a, a bunch of players made their, uh, their Twitter, um, profile pictures, the silhouette And then, like some of them, like Dobak, Dobnak, uh, the Twins pitcher has like a really Fu Manchu. So he put the uh, he put the the thing with a Fu Manchu mustache. So it's just it's kind of like a petty back and forth, really. Um, But the winter meetings are also canceled, and that's where a lot of stuff generally happens. A lot of people think that trades and contract negotiations are all that happens in 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 winter meetings, but there's actually a lot of behind the scenes stuff that happens at, at the winter meetings. A lot of uh, staff signings, a lot of intern signings, a lot of a lot of like the internal workings of a program actually happens at the winter meetings. A lot of uh, GM negotiations with their own, like with people that work with them, stuff like that. So um, those are not happening this year on the major league level. The minor league winter meetings are happening. And the rule five draft has also been uh, delayed for the major league. There is a minor league rule five draft. Uh, that I believe happened last week, now that I think about it. Um, There's no communication between teams and their minor leaguers, which could be huge and reminds me of like an NCAA rule, like you can't contact your players in certain levels of of the season. Kind of reminds me of something like that, and I wonder if there's going to be penalties – for player for clubs that are contacting their minor leaguers. I'm sure it is happening And because if you have, you know, a Julio Rodriguez that's supposed to debut next year and you want him to go through certain development or especially in pitchers, like if you have people coming off Tommy John surgery and you're wanting to see where their development is and you can't really contact them or something like that, I'm sure there is that going on and I wonder if there's going to be penalties taken there. Uh, but that's something we'll have to remain to we'll, – we'll have to wait and see. Um, and it could go into February and into spring training, which is kind of what I want to talk about. There have been nine work stoppages in the past in Major League Baseball, um, whether that is uh, CBA agreements or some other, some sort of strike or something like that. The big one most recently was in 1994 that you referenced. Um, but I also would say that 2020 was a bit of something that we saw um, between a labor a disagreement and also safety of players. And that's really, you know, I mean, that feels like two days ago where we had, you know, the, the COVID season really get off to a rough start and we weren't sure if we were going to get any baseball played because the players were uh, couldn't come to an agreement with percentage salary they were going to make and they couldn't, you know, with um, COVID testing and all that kind of stuff, the bubble, no bubble, how that was all going to work. Um we really saw this come to a head and we thought I actually thought this CBA was going to be you know pushed forward to 2020 and we were going to have all this stuff that's happening right now back then and it actually didn't get to that point which thankfully but we did have a 60 game season there um, but all of the nine stoppages in the past for major league baseball have all gone into spring training and I think that is a that's a That's a point that we should talk about in reference to cards Um, because. So, well, let me back up for a second. In 2020, when all that stuff happened with COVID and everything, the MLB lost $3 billion of revenue, which sounds like a ton. But in 2019, they had their best year that they'd had yet. And they made, um, I think it was $10 billion in 2019. So. They had like the best year they've ever had. And then all of a sudden, you know, they had a $3 billion stoppage, but then 2021 was huge for the sport with thing. You know, we had catalytic players coming out there for from a media perspective. You had players that were, that were really blossoming and could be marketed. Shohei Otani was a big one of those. It felt like the baseball needed Shohei as bad as Shohei needed baseball, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense. You know, like, and I think about like the UFC, like when Ronda Rousey was really coming into her own, like the UFC needed Ronda to be that catalytic person that everybody tuned in to see. And I think baseball needed Shohei Otani that everybody tuned in to see. Um, now, Mike Trout did go down last year, so I don't know, you know, how that affected things, especially when he's supposed to be your most marketable player. Um, but 2021 was huge for the sport. And so you just probably lost a bunch of people and interest from the way that 2020 went with the negotiations and all that kind of stuff and the work stoppages and blah, blah, blah. But then you have like a really good year again, and you don't really want to delay that in 2022. The baseball is always like in this era is struggling with being a sport that is, um, you know, just bringing in fans like nobody's business, you know, it's not the NBA where literally people are just tuning in because of the stuff that they're doing, you know, in other countries or the stuff that they're doing uh, outside of baseball, you know, in terms of their philanthropy or something, baseball is kind of struggling in this area. So marketing wise um, they really need this 2022 season to really um, get started on time and really develop well. And that's where I want to go into how it affects cards. Because and I'm sorry, my dog is barking. Griffey is having a he's having a blast of a time back here. No words. But, um he hates the lockout. That's what he's really yeah. barking at. Yeah, for so. sure. He's upset. <laughs> he is. Um but twenty twenty two could be I think huge as an understatement, and it could be one of the biggest years in terms of rookies in the sport. There are so many huge names that have the ability to start day one out of spring training and be catalytic for their team. Bobby Wood Jr., you know, and those kind of guys are the guys that everybody's looking at. Riley Green, Torkelson, you know, um, you've got guys like Alec Thomas that could potentially come out and play. You know, the Pirates are loaded with young talent that could, aven- could make the MLB roster. And then you've got like teams that, that um, are on a national stage and playoff contenders, you know, having people like Volpe coming up to the top. Gavin Lux is probably going to get his shot now that Seager is is out. You know, you've got – I mean, Gavin Lux isn't a rookie, but he is going to be a guy that's going to come out. You've got young guys all over the sport that could potentially plug right in at day one at the beginning of the season. And so the one of the things is the baseball market, I believe, is going to be huge. With or without, with or without the lockout, I think that our that our prospecting the way that that we do it, particularly at just baseball and then um, at, at at wild cards box breaks, is going to explode. I believe um, because the positives from this lockout are you going you're not having any MILB restrictions. You know those those minor leaguers are getting time, and if it does go into spring training you can still – we'll still have minor league spring training, which I believe that if that was to happen, the MLB would showcase that. I believe that they're going to have – you know, they're going to have something on TV in March. They're going to have something that you can tune into. And if this major league spring training is not going on, they will have minor league spring training, which would be really fun. I mean, we saw the Arizona Fall League this year – that was just loaded with good prospects. And people were just tweeting like crazy. MLB, why don't you have an ability for us to watch these games? And the MLB is realizing that their minor leaguers have never been more profitable than they are right now. You know, there's more people interested in the minor league systems than ever before. And I think that could drive um, a really, really big increase into prospecting so if you're getting the right players, something we talked about last time is like maybe one layer under the huge names that you're knowing right now, those guys could have exponential returns in terms of your card markets. Um, you're going to get national coverage, like I said, of the MILB at that point. And the increase of the Bowman market is going to be huge. You know, 2021 draft is, is dropping on the 28th of December. Um, I would go ahead and buy a box Paul. Like <laughs> it's going to be a huge product. Um, but you know when you have that dropping in december you have the 2022 bowman regularly dropping i believe it's in february Um, you're going to have those products dropping right when everybody is normally put like getting ready to start doing minor league prospecting and stuff like that when baseball market for cards is really ramping up and then all of a sudden you're going to have like this MLB question mark. So those MLB players are going to go for wicked money, I believe. And uh, so from the cards perspective, if you're doing it right, or if you're like focusing on the right players, you're going to have massive returns, I believe. So obviously that's my personal opinion, but I think there's so many good, there are so many cool and good young players in the game right now that you could basically there's like four or five guys on every team almost that you could go invest in which and and if they're all getting on uh, if they're all the ones people are watching that that might get crazy so
0: yeah this is in line with what what i was thinking that you might say and that what i was kind of hypothesizing myself as to what could happen and i really like it as a fan because it's it's like the prospector's dream of being like, Okay, now these young guys can can actually play and get some airtime and that's gonna do nothing but help speed up the process of them becoming at least well known. And then it's it's on them to decide whether or not they're gonna their performance is gonna be good enough to to make them superstars. But um, yeah, I mean I think that like if I were to compare it to the NFL, like there's millions of people that would rather watch the NFL Combine and watch the Senior Bowl than watch a bunch of replays from the previous season's games or classic games or whatever on NFL Network. And I just see this to your point about fans saying, hey, why aren't these guys more televised? Why, why can't we watch the Arizona Fall League? I mean, MLB Network needs to go ahead and elevate these games and the coverage spring training coverage whatever they can show they need to go ahead and show it because I was dialed in to the futures game and I would for sure be dialed in to um MILB spring training coverage and and game coverage and certainly if they were to put minor league baseball games on tv um if they're able to do that I mean I think that could be uh the prospector's dream which really to me translates into baseball sports card investors dream because like you and I have talked about and like you made a point on the last show last time you were on you don't really want to invest in the first year guys card with the RC logo on it for tops what you really want to invest in is if you can go get one of their uh first Bowman autos or you know Bowman draft autos or whatever um And so it's, it's all prospecting basically anyone who knows what they're doing in baseball cards, it's all prospecting. And I start to feel bad for some guys that like have all these guys that never materialize into anything. So this year could, could be their dream in the sense that even if their guy never materializes into anything, he could get the spotlight. Like he could be on TV. He could get the coverage that he never, never would have otherwise gotten. So Um, so in that regard, I, I think we could love it for the, for the card market to your point.
1: Yeah. I think if you have been prospecting for a while and you've maybe got on some guys that haven't really been able to, um, grab that superstar status in terms of prospecting. Um, for instance, like MLB's top 100. Um, I would, in terms of ranking players, I would give it like maybe like a B minus. That's where typically most people are turning to, you know, they'll, they'll say like, Oh, where's the prospect ranking list. Oh, I'll go to MLB or, you know, and there, I would say their particular list is like a B minus. I would say one through 10 are really solid. Normally like, you know, there obviously is going to be people that are going to disagree on who goes one, two through 10, but I would say they're 11 through 100 they're not the best at saying this is this is who the development are. It's almost like they just, you know, send a, a email out to all their teams and they're like, hey, who do you guys think sh- we should be looking at from your teams? Rather than being like, no, we've been at games and these are the guys that are just exploding. Yeah. You know, so um, I'll give a shameless plug here for our our Just Baseball Top 100 list. We literally are minor league scouts looking at, who we think are going to be the top 100 in baseball. And for instance, like last year, Gabriel Moreno was not on anybody's top 100 list. And he's our, I think think he's like number like four or nine, one of those for us. Like that guy is going to be a top three catcher in baseball. He's going to be like, mark my words, Gabriel Moreno is going to be a stud. And he's just now basically hitting people's radars. And, um, so, but from a prospecting perspective, if you, you know, went really big on like, um, Sabato from the twins and he had a rough minor league season this year, uh, you know, you, you, you might have thought that you were going to lose money, but I think the chance at this, I think all minor leaguers are going to have a value, right. You know, potentially in this lockout scenario, you know, you, um, you're going to have guys that are like further down on the roster that are just getting airtime that people are going to get, be able to see, you know, if I'm a twins fan and I'm like, Oh, I'm low on Sabato, but then I turn in an MILB game and Sabato, you know, goes two for four with two singles. I'm going to be like, Oh, maybe he's turning it around and he's not really turning it around, but I'm just being able to see him, you know? And so I'm yeah. still going to be like, I'll go buy a Sabato card, you know? And so I think all those people are going to get the chance to get money back out of their big investments if they, you know, were new to prospecting or maybe made some made some big uh, investments in players that didn't necessarily pan out um, in terms of like the Bobby Wood Juniors. Like if you didn't go slamming big on it, I think this year particularly is an opportunity to kind of hedge your bet a little bit um, and get some money out of those guys that are going to be on TV in this scenario.
0: Yeah, I love that. Okay, so this is phenomenal information, and I want to unpack that that last point. So let's go through a couple different scenarios here, and correct okay. me if I'm wrong in any of this, but to me it would seem that like a Bobby Wood Jr., to make money on a Bobby Wood Jr. in a normal season without a lockout. If you were to buy him now, he would basically have to come in and be, uh, I don't know, like Barry Larkin from day one, maybe times five right like he'd have to be the, <laughs> yeah. the all-star starting shortstop and put up some mm-hmm. amazing numbers to see a spike in his card prices right yeah. I mean because there am I am I wrong like is is would he have would he would in a normal season could he just come in and start and be okay or would he have to like really light it up
1: yeah so Bobby Wood Jr. Is a, is a really unique one for me because He's very he's he is he's very expensive right now. Like we'll just put it that way. But but he's earned it. It's not like he's just um, you know he's an overhyped player, which those are out there too. But if Bobby Witt Jr. comes out and pulls a Kellenic, for instance, you know, like uh, if we look at twenty twenty. Uh, or 2021, Kellenic was supposed to, like, everybody was like, why isn't he on the Mariners, you know, day one? And and then they they kept him down. They were like, he's not ready, and blah, blah, blah. And everybody was mad, and his card prices were going for a bazillion dollars. And then he came out and just was a dud, you know? And now I believe in Kellenic full-heartedly. He's still a good portion of my investment, and I really, if you're, I think now is a good time to get back in on Kelenic. Um But, Bobby Witt Jr. is going to have an opportunity to make – I wouldn't even say he's going to have an opportunity. He has that shortstop position, potentially third base, for Kansas City Royals out the gate this year, I believe. And it's going to be his opportunity to to prove people that he deserves it. What's going to be unique about his card prices is they're already – they are already high enough like he is a major league all-star. So it's a risky play because you don't have a whole lot of room to grow here It's kind of like putting your money in like um like a stable investment almost it's like yeah you're gonna gr- it's gonna grow and it's gonna be a nice stable investment, and he's going to be good enough at the major leagues that you're always gonna have money there, but it's not like you're investing in penny stocks where you're looking at like hey, this is gonna be a fourteen x return or a hundred x return. Yeah. You know, and that particularly for me, I like pulling those deeper guys that uh, that are maybe not the safer play, but are definitely going to be the X return play, because for me, Bobby Witt Jr. is a safe play, I think. Um, now, <laughs> it's not gambling advice here or whatever you want to call it. You know, if he comes out and just tanks and you're like, Kendall, why am I I lost? thousands of dollars in my portfolio that honestly could happen and you need to hedge your bet a little bit in that sense you know if you have you know fifteen thousand dollars worth of bobby Witt junior cards i would say maybe sell five thousand of them before the season starts you know because his 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 value is never going to be higher than it probably will be in march uh, unless he is a hall of famer straight out the gate
0: yeah yeah that's what i was wondering about him so is there a guy and I'll go I'll go to your guy Austin Shenton because I did I did buy <laughs> 3 of his auto rookie autos after the last show because okay. I trust you and it's fun and I'm trying to get in. He's number 94 on justbaseball.com's uh, top 100 prospects list. So is is he an example of a guy that you're talking about that's not not in the top tier, not as well yeah. known, but um, might get some airtime out of this and then could could break into the top 50. Or at least, if he doesn't break into the top 50, maybe he is someone that um, prospectors and baseball card investors now start to say, all right, I'm going to put some money behind this guy. We could see a, a rise in his prices. I'm not just throwing him out there because now I own three of his cards. But <laughs> You're I'm,
1: not just I'm gassing just get, his market? Nah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, yeah, I, I definitely... I think I tried to explain that a little bit last time by saying, you know, Shenton and Lolo Sanchez and some of those guys I talked about are my kind of deeper plays that like they could have an opportunity to, you know, really explode. Like, um, I think we saw this with like Josh Lowe. I don't know if you're familiar with him, Um, but he is a minor leaguer in the in the Tampa Bay Rays system. And he's honestly he is going to be a stud and his prices um, have taken off a little bit. but. He's a guy uh, – he is um, – I, I believe he's Nate Lowe's younger brother uh, who's the first baseman for the Rangers. Um, but he's a guy that's in the minor leagues that's going to have a lot of run um, in, in in this opportunity. And Austin Shinton, he's a guy that has exit velocities and, 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 and his sabermetrics are really good. And that's a guy where I'm like, hey, the numbers are telling me this guy's going to be electric. You know, and so – I try to balance whether it's like I was watching Monday Night Football last night, and um, they were talking about how the Ravens went for went for two when they were down by uh, fifteen with the Browns. I don't I don't know exactly the situation, but it, it, there's a reason I'm pulling this in. Um, the announcers were like. I know the I know the analytics and the sabermetrics are telling you that going for 2 here is going to make it easier potentially on your next possession but why would you do that and they're always like why don't we have the, the you know the analytics guy at the end of the game on the on the microphone explaining why they chose to do that rather than you know the head coach or the quarterback saying oh it's the analytics guy that told us that that was the right move and, and the announcer goes we would not want that person on there because they would say you know, they would be like, so why did you go for two here when the analytics told you so? And the analytic guy would just say, because the numbers told me to do it. And that would be it, you know, like, and that would just be the end of the conversation. And I laughed because, you know, like, that's kind of how it was with Austin Shinton. For me, I'd like the numbers told me to do it, you know, and yeah. that's why I invested in him. Uh, but there's a couple guys down there that I really like um in terms of, uh, you know, where they're at with the teams. But yes, I believe, if you go look at our in our rankings, they, there's a lot of names between you know 30 and 100 that are not on other people's radars because they haven't spent time to really look into the statistical evaluation and the game footage of those guys. And so we really have done a lot of work in, the, in our, sc- our minor league scouting department. We have a lot of guys that are already doing that, and then we've pulled those people together to say, hey, when you were at games this year – what guy just stole your eyes, stole your heart instantly? You know, what guy stepped on the field? You know, I, I remember when, um, there, when Acuna was on a backfield, I talked, I talked to a, a Braves, um, a Braves uh, scout when Acuna was in the minor leagues, and I was like, okay, when you were on the field, you know, is there guys out there that are just, you know, stealing the show unintentionally? You know, like maybe guys you don't know of, but everybody is like, who is that guy? And I remember he was telling me that Ozzy Albies and Acuna, you know, you just walked out there and you knew those guys were going to be stars. Like they were walking around with a different presence than all the other 18 year olds out there, you know? And so we ask our minor league guys, like, who are the guys down there that are just stealing the show? And I remember talking to a guy that was working for, uh when, when Kellanick was in the Mets system, he was playing against um the um Charleston um what is their what's their names? Um the it's the Yankees minor league system in Charleston. I have a, a friend that used to work for them, and I said, Who's the guy that you have just far and away were just so impressed with this year? And he was like, Man, you know that guy that that, that the Mets traded Cano for? You know, that that Kelenic guy? Like that guy was just amazing to watch. And now now you look, you know, Kellinick was three on the, on the list this year. And so, yeah, we've done think, a lot of work in that area. So.
0: That's awesome. And it is important to marry together the context that you're talking about with the statistics. I think um, it's, you could be good at fantasy sports by looking at the statistics, but I think in order to translate that into actually making money in the sports card world, I think you absolutely need to be able to project like who's going to, be in a position to have that next big moment or who's going to, you know, be in a position to go on a big streak of some sort, um, get really, really streaky and draw people's attention or who looks the part that is also going to perform the part on the big stage. And so, um, yeah, that, I think that just bringing, bringing all that to the table and marrying that together is a, is a great resource. I'm, certainly sold on it. And I think that um, I'll, I'll uh, agree with you that I if I had to guess um, on the MLB.com prospects list, although that's where I've gone to quite a bit, uh, your point about kind of having the team's email or having the league uh, web content people email around to the teams for some web content. Um, I could see that happening having been in that world in the NBA where then you end end up getting um, like sometimes the PR people who are responding and they're running it by the assistant coach real quick. You know, like, is it okay if I submit this to the the whatever? And it's it's it's, it's not that it's inaccurate information, but it's just it's not really what the people are looking for. So I I, I could definitely see that happening.
1: I mean. And that's no fault to them, because that's really not their area. You know, Mm -hmm. like they are really trying to expose, present and, you know, and make aware everything that's happening above, you know, AAA. You know, their area below Triple A, they're relying on kind of their outsourced departments to really push that push that stuff up. And so I'm not trying to just, you know, you know, just rain on their parade because they are the MLB does do a lot of things good, but actually, well, they don't do a lot of things good, but (laughs) I'm not a huge fan of what they do. But I know, for instance, uh, we have, uh, there was a girl that used to be an intern at MLB TV. And I know that they are changing a lot of their processes this year. So they're actually using this time to change a lot of their scheduling and, and the way their media is running, which I'm like, Oh, thank the Lord, you know. Um, But, um, but this is, this is our focus, you know, like this yeah. is what we do primarily And I think the difference there is incredible. And if I can just like, say like, these are a couple of guys that, you know, in that bottom half that, that are really getting overlooked. Um, I'll look at like Dylan Dingler, for instance.
0: Yes, he's, that's he's, my guy, dude. Yeah. That's yeah. my I mean, Tigers he's, guy.
1: He's a guy on the Tigers that's getting overlooked by the green and the Torkelsons, you know, like, if you see a guy that potentially is in a big farm system that yeah. would be a number one or two guy in a, in a, in a different farm system, Dylan Dingler is one of those guys. Like I, I, I like him, you know, and, and I'm not sure, I'm not sure when he gets to the major leagues or when he'll have that opportunity, but I do like him and he's, and he's in our, uh, he's in our top 75 here and he's a number 63 on yeah, here and you can I see
0: him 63.
1: Yeah. And so I, I like him. I, I think, He's at a particularly good place with the organization the organization is gonna give him run. I like him um, there's another guy down here um us Gunner Henderson is gonna be really good um I really believe in Baltimore and what they're doing they're turning hitters around like crazy they're bringing guys that could be you know you know eight you know, B plus or a guys, and they're turning them into a, a plus guys, their development system is going really good right now. I believe Baltimore is going to be very, very competitive in that East, um, in the next couple of years. And then, you know, if we look even deeper than that, um, I don't oftentimes like to talk about pitchers, but Clayton Beater is going to be down there in that 91 spot. Um, Led, if you if you are a particular person that thinks that nobody's touching pitchers, so I'm going to go ahead and touch a pitcher because there's so much area there to to get some money back on those big guys. That is a way to prospect. You know, there are guys out there that only deal in pitchers because no one else is doing it, and they're like, hey, if there there is still money to be made here. And and the um a guy that I was super super high on oh I don't want to leave this episode without talking about yet another Tampa Bay Ray minor leaguer Greg Jones Greg Jones he's another guy that when you talk to ma- uh, minor leaguers when you talk to guys out there they're like hey who's the guy that just really impressed you and they're like man Greg Jones man Greg Jones Greg Jones you know they're like his speed his athleticism da 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 he does have a relatively lower floor than some of these other guys, but his athleticism is crazy. And for me, I love investing in those guys with that are just crazy athletes. You know, like for instance, um, Delino DeShields Jr. I was all about when he was in the minor leagues. Now his ceiling didn't go where I thought it would go, but his mm-hmm. floor was relatively high. You know, he had yeah. a pretty. You know, he had a pretty decent i mean he's in the major leagues for like seven or eight years you know that's pretty good now for card values that wasn't great but i believe greg jones floor is the line of jr so you know um that's nice. not the best thing you've ever heard of but it is a pretty good guy down there at number you know 93 or somebody and i've just recently bought some greg jones autographs so um and then i don't want to leave here without referring to Videl brujan you know, he's a guy that numbers-wise is a guy that we thought would gonna, was going to be incredible. The last half of his minor league season had a little bit of a blip. So if you're gonna invest in Bruhan, go ahead and do it now. He's he's higher on that list. He's at 52, um, and he's major league ready. So he's a guy that could really see a lot of a, a lot of uh, hype this year. A lot of he's going to be playing next to Franco. So you know, there's those guys out there that are going to get the sublim or you know the supplement supplementarian hype, you know, mm-hmm. like, and I think that Dylan Dingler of the world is going to, I think you're also going to see a Bruhan catch some of that fire as well. And, uh, and I'll go ahead and plug Josh Young because, or Josh Young, because he's my Texas guy. So.
0: Nice. I mean, this is an amazing wealth of information. Um, what an amazing job you just did at kind of um, translating what the lockout means to Baseball cards, and what it how it should be really positive for a lot of people who have been prospect prospecting and who have been in the hobby for a while, I think that it sounds like the overall thesis statement is that this isn't going to be the year that baseball cards go to the mainstream, but it doesn't mean that the lockout doesn't create some momentum for people who have been in the hobby for a long time, which which should be a really good thing. I mean, there's a lot of people that have put a lot of time and a lot of effort into trying to recoup their investment, trying to have some fun, trying to get some of these guys that they've been buying um, into the limelight, see them on TV, that kind of thing. And so this could end up being one of the more fun springs, I would think, regardless of the lockout situation. Uh, To your point earlier in the show, it's like, um, if things do get resolved and we get to see a lot of these these first time guys that are ready like the wits and the greens of the world and maybe even the Torkelsons if, if we're lucky in Detroit, those kinds of things. But um, if not, we got a lot of good guys to, to look out for here. And a couple other things, um, just to recap what you said that I love is within baseball, you have some areas to zag where other people are zigging, right? Like you can go yep. pitchers. Um, I'm not hype on pitchers mainly because I want to see there be a market for pitchers before I invest in pitchers. And so I think that's the problem. Like that's the chicken and egg problem uh, because there's most people are like me right now. But if you're really into prospecting and you're really looking for the deal and you believe in a guy, you know, it doesn't mean that there can't be a 10, 20, 30% profit margin on a pitcher. It just might mean that the dollar amount isn't as large. So if you're good at that, it sounds like you can do it. And then to your point, which I love, I never even thought of before, to get that sort of collateral benefit from being in the system as another big player. So like using the Dingler to the Green and Torkelson of the world, um, using the Lowe, et cetera, uh, Shenton maybe to the Wander Franco of the world. Um, Interesting to think, okay, who's the top 10 prospects in this organization? Who's the top 30 prospects in this organization Who's getting some buzz that could go from number thirty up to number three, and then all of a sudden, be able to still get their card for a cheaper price than the number one and the number two guy, but they get maybe as much, maybe more hype than they would have had they had they not been in an organization yeah. in, a, in a quality organization. So I think that's that's I mean, really just good see the... investing investing uh, advice right there.
1: You can just see the graphic now. Like, say, let's just say in this hypothetical situation, Torque, Green, and Dingler all make the major leagues out of spring training. Let's just say they do, okay? Can, you can just see the graphic now where they're going to put three big rookies, you know, da, 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 and it's going to have, you know, Torque in the middle, Green on the side, and then Dingler's going to be there, and people can going to be like, who's that guy? You know, like, oh, wow, okay, yeah, okay, let's get a Dingler card, you know, like. And who doesn't want to get dinglered? You know what I'm saying? So uh. yeah,
0: exactly. I mean, and, and and who's to say that he's not the one that that homers in his first at bat or whatever? You just never know. Exactly. So, yeah. So I agree. Never, okay. I
1: mean, sorry. Go ahead.
0: No, no. But I, I was gonna just ask you one one final question here, or at least squeeze squeeze this one in. I'm working on our new sports card investment report at nooffseason.com. So okay. you can go to offseasoncom slash invest and you can check it out. And like it. Um, I've got, I've, I've tried to weave in as much baseball as I possibly could in our top 50 um, in, inspired a lot by our last conversation. And so keep in mind that the investment report is one along the lines of what we've been talking about, right? Where we're trying to, rank guys higher based on the opportunity to buy them at a lower price but they I like believe this. they have I haven't a high seen floor. this
1: on website yet. I'm looking okay. at it now. I like this.
0: Okay, thank you. Thank you. So, uh it's something that I am writing all the write-ups for and I'm doing the rankings and I plan on keeping it up to date very regularly. So, it's a version of of your top 100 at justbaseball.com but it's solely geared around which sports cards should you buy now with an expected increase in value, right? So, here's a good example. I've this got, is
1: dope. I like
0: it. <laughs> thanks, brother. I've got Gary Trent Jr., right, in the top yeah. in the top 10 because you can get his PSA 10s for less than $25, and I don't think everyone's caught up to the fact that he's, like, averaging 20 points a game in Toronto right now as they're <laughs> yeah. starting yeah, shoot, yeah. and you can't get many other – PSA 10s of starting shooting guards, averaging 20 points for $25. So people might be like, why do you have, you know, but I'm prepared to like duke it out with people, you know, who, uh, who, who have questions about this. But anyway, um, I'm not as strong as you on the baseball front. So um, you know, I've got Wander at number seven. I've got Acuna at number 10, because I believe that right now there's a pocket to buy both of them low. And I believe that they have the higher floors, right? I believe they're not as risky. Um, one guy that caught my eye that his prices were seemed super low to me, not on the Bowman side, but more on the tops rookie side is Bo Bichette. Um, he, he seemed to me like someone who in a competitive market in Toronto with, with Vlad jr. Um, playing a position like shortstop with a bat like him like with the like he's got it in his family like he seemed to have the recipe to outperform his card prices right now by a long shot. Um I've got Brennan Davis at 19, uh just ahead of Bo Bichette. And then um Tatis made the list. Marco Luciano made the list. Actually Jazz Chisholm JJ Blade uh made the list. Um but I. But give me your reaction to who I have in there, what I have maybe wrong, what I might need to adjust. I, did, I, I missed, I have Vlad Jr.'s 12th, Spencer Toikleson 17th, Brennan Davis 19th, Bo Bichette 20th, et cetera. I'd, I'd like your reaction to this, just, just off the top here.
1: Yeah, so um, I can only see the top – 14 I think. oh
0: yeah so you would you have to upgrade to see yeah i gotta to
1: upgrade, upgrade.
0: <laughs> but but you do you do get a free one-day trial and uh go. you know for you kendall i would i would extend that of course but uh, nice but for the, for the rest of the audience here want you, want want you to go check that out and and would like you to check out the the free one-day trial and then upgrade of course but um yeah <laughs> so uh so I can read. Uh, so I can read na- you the names again. I can read you the names again. Yeah,
1: I yeah. think I remember what you said. Frank, um,
0: I'll go in in order of the baseball guys. So okay, Frank, let me let me Franco, write it down here.
1: Okay, Frank. Franco's
0: the first the first baseball player. Then we have Acuna. Just, okay. Then we have Vlad Jr. Torkelson. Okay. Brennan Davis, Bo Bichette, Tatis. Luciano, Jazz Chisholm, J.J. Bliday. and that's it. Now, keep in mind, as you're preparing your answers here, a lot of this has to do on current card prices in December 2021. Did I, I skipped Torkelson? Torkelson, sorry. Torkelson was above Brennan Davis. I, I apologize. Yeah,
1: you, you gave it to me.
0: Okay, okay sorry. So, so yeah, so this, you might see that you might, you have a very, you have a very historical knowledge of, of these players and you're up to date on where they're at obviously, but where I was at in my research and in these rankings was less about, I guess, less about where they could go and more about where they could go in relation to where they what their affordability investability is right now. For the average person, it's not, you know. Yeah, I think
1: these guys that you that you are that you've put out here are um, safer plays, but in a good way. I think if that makes sense, like they're more they're more stable players. Like your investments definitely are 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 um, hedged bets right here. I guess if that makes sense, you know, like yep. Franco is a superstar. Like, this guy is so, so, so good. And I don't think – you know, we saw his – we saw an out-of-five Franco graded PSA 10, I believe, go for $250,000 before he ever played a game in the major leagues.
0: Yeah. So
1: Acuna's went for $350,000. And that guy – I mean, it was already a certified stud. Now, Franco came out and did what everybody thought he would, so that car is going to go up in value. And so I think he's in the right spot of being the top investment in the game in baseball right now. Um, so I, but, um, or not even a but there. I think you got that right. But I think a lot of people were were betting on him being um, like super super good, and that was risky, like almost the Bobby Witt Jr. thing that we talked about yes, earlier. But yes. he came out and w- and did it. And so, like, a lot of people's investments have paid off there. So, I would say Franco's a great, number one, to lead baseball investments right now. Um, Acuna, I think, is good at being that high because he's probably lower right now than than he should be. Um, Acuna is so good, so, so good. And the Braves are going to be so, so good for a long time. And I think it's crazy that they won without him, you know, like, yeah. which I think, I think his cards may have – are higher than they would be if they if okay how am I gonna say this his cards values are higher than they would be if they hadn't have won yes you know like if they hadn't have won the world series I would be buying Acuna like crazy right now because people would be down on him because yes. they're like oh is he gonna come back you know that's a pretty bad injury but yeah I think that's good Vladdy oh man my so when you look at my top five, we actually have an article on just baseball. It's like everybody in the staff's top five all-time players. Um, Vladdy Senior is in my top five, and nice. so I always I have like this like this thing in my heart as always like I love Vladimir Guerrero Junior. Yeah. And here's another pro tip, Paul. There is more <laughs> Vladdies coming. There are uh, younger Vladdies, younger than Vladdy Junior. That are coming. There's Vladdy the third and Vladdy the, so third
0: and the fourth. Yeah, coming? I think
1: there's I think there's four of them. But like the third one is like a 17 year older or a 17 year old, and he's long and skinny and looks just like his dad. And I'm like, oh man, That's here awesome. we go. Um, but anyway, uh, I love Vladdy. Um, I would say Brennan Davis is that dude is gonna be a Cubs superstar. Okay. So yeah, he needs to be there. Torque needs to be there. Um, Tatis, I would put him actually higher than where you have him. Um, he's probably going to be the face of the game for a while. Um, and barring his shoulder, I think he's going to figure that out, but I would put Tatis higher. Luciano, great pick there. Um, Jazz Chisholm is a guy that's definitely going to be, um, I don't know if he's necessarily the the best player, but he's going to be marketed a lot because of who he is and his personality and his like, he's going to be on advertisements and he's going to, he's going to have like the kid, you know, King Griffey Jr. Effect where he's they're going to put him on all these things because he's marketable, you know, like King Griffey was marketable, but he was also very good. And mm-hmm. I, and I know that jazz is marketable, but it's remained to be seen if he's very good, he's definitely yeah. good, but he, I don't know. So um I think you're, you're good to have him in the bottom of the list, but I probably would have put, other people on there other than jazz and JJ I but I do think that both of them are in a market to where that if they were to hit uh, or if the Marlins were to come out this year and kind of pull a 2018 or 2019 where they go and make the wild card and you know there the Derek Jeter's there you know there is like the right amount of stuff there um, but just like <laughs> I don't know how I'll just I'll just say this we are. At Just Baseball, we are very, very close with a lot of the minor leaguers in, in Miami, like played on teams with them and stuff and text regularly. And there is more going on behind the scenes in, in Miami that's probably not it, it's not developing a winning culture right now. We'll just say that. OK,
0: so okay. Um, I like the way you phrase that. I like the way you said list. Very <laughs> well phrased. Okay. Yeah. That's good in inside inside information there and uh the the audience oh, can do what Bichette. they what they want with that. Yeah, yeah because I uh, I couldn't tell based on your facial reaction when I was when I was telling you my case for Bichette. What what do you think of him?
1: Okay. So, um 2 years ago, I loved Bichette. Okay. Um now I'm like I think he makes some all-star teams, Okay, you know? And so it's like, he's not a bad investment, but for me, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't like tickle my fancy or whatever you want to call it. Like, he's just not the guy that's like, like I have a lot of Bichette and I just look at it and I'm just like, eh. I yeah. don't really know what that is, honestly, like. I think maybe it's because Vladdy, I thought him and Vladdy were going to like rise together. And I think Vladdy took such a leap over him. And then with Biggio there too, I'm like, okay. And then Biggio just dropped his value significantly. And I'm like, oh, okay. You know, like we've got one that rose and one that fell. And then we've got Bichette in the middle. That's been a really solid major leaguer. Um, but, like, defensively, there's some questions, you know. Like, it's like, where does he move? You know, does, is he the shortstop forever? You know, but obviously the, the Blue Jays have bats upon bats upon bats in their minor leagues. And so, Bichette is going to have to keep pushing that needle to not have a guy from underneath him challenge his play time. Um, and they shipped out Austin Martin – you know, they, they ship that out. So, okay, they believe in what they have or they, be, they didn't believe in Austin. You know, and so I would say, like, I would put Bichette where you put Jazz, I think, if that makes sense. Gotcha. Um, yeah. And I would pull Tatis above him for sure. I would probably pull Tatis into the Vladdy range um, just okay. because, because he is a superstar and he's going to be marketed well. Therefore, people like non-baseball fans are going to want to invest in a Tatis card, if that makes sense. Um, Like some of my investments, I know that I know are very um, specialized for the right type of person investing. You know, like I'm not going to be able to go to a show and probably find a person who's going to buy five Austin Shenton PSA tens off my table. You know, uh, like if, I, if I'm if i a selling at a show. But mm-hmm. if you put a PSA 10 uh, Tatis out there, that's going to sell. You yeah. know, and so I think from your perspective here, Tatis needs to be higher um, because there are even non-baseball fans know who Tatis is, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's so, a
0: very good point. He's he's the, the cover guy for MLB The Show and all yeah. sorts of stuff. So you've got... He's you, on all the
1: commercials. A, His yeah. dad was famous. He's got the hair, you know, like...
0: Yeah. So. He's got the Jordan, the Jordan jump man thing going on. Like he,
1: exactly, he, exactly. All
0: right. I think you sold me on that one. That's a good call. Um, Kendall McKee, what a, what a wealth of amazing inside knowledge, just, uh, gracing us with your presence here on the sports card strategy show, representing wild cards, box breaks on Facebook and just com. Um, definitely will have you anytime you want to, anytime you want to do this. It's So it's always fun. So thanks again for for joining, man. We'll, we'll talk to you again soon.
1: Dude, uh, and I'll, I always like to leave you with one little small snippet, okay? Okay, go and for so it. So, something that I, you know, I think last week, or I think or maybe not last week, whatever we did that last, I think Lolo Sanchez was the one I dropped at the very end. Yep. So, I'm going to drop another one here at the very end that I think is a guy who's going to be really good in a situation that not a lot of people are looking at. The Cleveland Guardians are going to be on TV a lot this year. The MLB is, I mean, assuming we have a season, the MLB is going to push that new branding. They're going to push that new, you know, they're going to give them a lot of airtime. They're going to give them a lot of run. Um. Uh, Rocchio is a shortstop in their system that has a potential to make the MLB. I think it's, uh, Brian Rocchio, I think is how you pronounce it. I'm okay. not exactly sure phonetically how to say his name, but I know he's going to be a stud. So definitely that guy is worth investing in. Um, and so I think he actually – yeah, he is on our top 100 list at 77. He's a shortstop. He might not break this year. It might be a little further out. Um, but, I'm, so, but I would just say Cleveland is going to get a lot of run this year. And if he does make it up there – you know, we'll see what happens. So there you go. There's my, there's my long play at the very end, little nugget of, of long play. So
0: I love the nuggets within your analysis. It makes so much sense what you said about the guardians and uh, I love it. All right, man. Well, um, I'm going to go buy more Dylan Dingler cards. I've already got a couple. There we go.
1: (laughs) Go get some Dinglers.
0: (laughs) All right. Talk to you later, brother. Bye. See you. All right, everybody. That's a wrap for this week. Thanks, as always, for tuning in to the Sports Card Strategy Show. You can find us by going to sportscardstrategy.com. Join the Facebook group. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. That's where you can find the links to listen to the show on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you want to start listening to us on those platforms, subscribe there, and we would love it. Uh, don't forget to check out our new sports card investment report by going to nooffseason.com slash invest. We are brought to you by marketmoversapp.com by sports card Investor. They help fund the show through our affiliate code. So we need you to sign up for the Market Movers app at marketmoversapp.com. We need you to use the promo code nooffseason, all lowercase, Save 20% there and you will not be sorry because between our investment report at nooffseason.com slash invest and between market movers, you will have the context and the data you need to become the best possible sports card investor, giving yourself the best chance to make money on this hobby. Everybody, I'm Paul Hickey with nooffseason.com. Thanks again for watching and listening and have a great day.